have a slightly different setup this morning. I've got so much message that I need two of these. <laughs> Actually, I've got so much message I'm going to need two Sundays, but I'm, I need some assistance reading. And, and before we get to that spot, though, um, Karen will be coming up and, and doing this. I want to specifically remind you or to inform you about three things in the reading I want you to notice because there's a lot here in this reading and it's so big that I'll have to do some today about the throne and next week we'll talk about the lamb even though they're both in this text it's really just too much to talk about but but as you hear this text wash over you one of the things I want you to recognize is because what we're going to do is we're going to read Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4 and 5 sort of like gears working together like this. And I want you to notice in the Old Testament, now what's, what happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Can anybody tell me? Jesus, Jesus happened. And, and so, so that's not a little deal, but also the amount of information as you get there, this is the same scene, the throne room of heaven, but the amount of revelation given in the Old Testament is really sparse next to what we have in the New Testament because that was Jesus' role to open up and actually explain what was going on and bring more detail. So I want you to notice that, that, that Isaiah 6 is a powerful, powerful picture, but it doesn't have near the detail because that's what Jesus does is he brings detail to our understanding of who God is. And, and the last thing is that I want you to notice this, that there is a throne in the center of everything. And as we talk about it, everything is located or the directions are given about everything happening about where they are in relation to the throne. The throne is never, it's never said, for instance, the throne is over there by the piano. It would, uh, in, in our terminology, it would say the piano is th- over there next to the throne. The throne is the center of everything in heaven. All right, are you ready? Buckle up. Here we go. Are you ready, Karen? I, I needed an extra reader so that whenever Karen's reading, that's Isaiah 6, and when I'm reading, I'm from the corresponding parts of Revelation 4. Perfect. Ah. Ah. It's okay. Are you on? Yes. Yes. I believe I am. Yes. There is the mics. We're perfect. Okay. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of the emeralds encircled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on those thrones. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and a rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne there was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. 
Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, and the second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is still to come. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Whenever the living beings were give, gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor, and you were created for all things, and they exist because you created what pleased you. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne, and there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or read it. And then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy. To open the scroll and read it. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to the throne of David, has won the victory, and he is able and worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully. But do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. 
And then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had held gold bowls and filled with incense, which are the prayers of the people of God. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God and every tribe and language of people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for your God and they will reign on earth. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders and they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the seas, and they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lord. Thank you. Okay, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? Do you see the difference in the amount of detail going on? Like this, okay, so before I get too much further here, I want to, I want to make sure that you know that this scroll with the seven seals that you not, that you don't forget a couple of the things going on with numbers that we've talked about in the book of Revelation. Remember the lamb with seven eyes and seven horns isn't deformed. It has perfect vision because that's what eyes are, and it has perfect power because horns are a sense of power in the Old Testament. So sevenfold spirit of God is the complete spirit of God, right? We just finished seven letters to the churches. So if you're thinking about that, well, those were seven individual churches. Yes, but in the numerology of the Bible, that's to the whole church. Seven churches, the complete church. So seven is the completeness. Anybody give me a guess about what 24 might mean in there? Anybody do any math in their head going, what's 24 elders mean? Anybody? Okay. How many tribes of ancient Israel were there? Twelve. Twelve. How many apostles were there? Twelve plus twelve is? Twenty-four. The whole people of God represented the whole people of God. Now you might say to yourself, but I'm kind of like the Old Testament. I just, you know, I'm I'm going to go out here and I'm going to I'm going to witness for God and it just never seems to work and it actually sounds a little bit it feels a little bit like this Isaiah comment when he says, "Here I am, send me." And he says, "Yes, go tell the Lord, tell the people and say this and this is what's going to happen." You're going to say, "Look at the Lord." And they're going to go, "Huh? I don't get it." And you're still listen for the Lord and they're go, I don't hear anything. That's what it means. Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch, but, but learn nothing. That their hearts will be hard, all this. And, and I know it feels like that sometimes to talk about God or to serve Him in the world, doesn't it? The world just looks at you and you go, huh? 
I don't get it. I don't get it. You're kind of odd, aren't you? Just own that oddness, by the way. I try to. Anyway, so here we go. I want to make sure that you hear this, that this is what it feels like. But what is the scroll? I really need to talk to you about the scroll for a second because there's more from Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 29, 11, 10 and 11, I think. 11 and 12, sorry. 29, if you've got a pew Bible, that is on page 623, if you want to read along. Should I wait? Are you there yet? Do you want me to say wait for me? Okay. And the vision of all this had become to you like the words in a book that is sealed. And when men gave it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read it, for it's sealed. And when they gave the book to the one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. Do you get that? So it's all sealed up. Even the people that read can't read a sealed thing. Do we have a sealed scroll in this text? Here is another thing. This is from Acts 8. This is Acts 8, 30, 31. This is after the risen Lord has come. A disciple is walking along the road and there's an Ethiopian eunuch reading the scripture in the, in, in the story on the road. And he's, he's reading it, going by in a cart, and the disciple says, are you ready? Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless I have someone to guide me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage was that he was reading was, as a sheep that was led to the slaughter or a lamb before its shears is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken up from the earth. This is what it means to have the scroll opened. So I just need you to hear this for a second. If you're out there and you're thinking, how can I open up people's hearts and minds for God's word and all this stuff? You don't. Who does? The one who is worthy. Because you needed it opened for you too. Just like that. Now, you can go up there and you can do this. And and so, I'll pause for a second. Does it seem like I've made a connection here that maybe you'd never connected before? Do you know how that happens? Well, sometimes you just spend so much time with your head, you know, you fall asleep on the book. No, I mean, sometimes you, you read this and I start to read it and I'm reading and I'm going, I've read this before. Haven't I? God, can you, can you help me? And, and, and when you do that for long enough, you start out your Bible time with, Lord, help me understand what I'm reading. And then you keep up the habit of both things, not just asking for help, but actually reading, right? It's both. Cause he, he can help you understand what you read, but if you're not reading, it's really hard for him to help you understand what you're reading. And if you're reading, but you're not asking him for help, you might not get the help. So it's the habit of both. And so I'm not making a connection here that's just odd, but what I start to do when I'm reading stuff, I'm going, this seems familiar to me. God, help. Help. And sometimes it's a while before you make those connections. But you still keep on asking for help. Now are we ready for the throne? 
Are you ready? Lord, help us understand these two texts together. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So what happens when a king dies? What, what's on the throne? Who's on the throne when the king dies? Nobody. The throne is empty. That's part of the problem with earth is our thrones that we make aren't the real thrones and they get empty sometimes. Even when people sit on them, they leave to go do other things or something like that. They do that. And so in the year that King Uzziah died, the throne was empty on earth. Now, I want to talk to you just a little bit about this because you've probably heard this story about how in your heart there's like a throne in your heart and you need to get off the throne in your heart and let God sit on that throne. And I'm telling you, there's no stinking throne in your heart. Stop it. There's only one throne that matters and it's the one in heaven. But if I've got a throne in my heart, that decentralizes where I'm focused on on God. So let me say that there's 45 or 50 people in this room right now, and if each one of us had a throne, how will we ever be unified? But if there's one throne, we can all be located near it and facing it and unified. Even if we're uniquely different, there's one throne on in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Let me say that. We said that in a prayer today, right? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. But in the year that King Uzziah died, the earthly throne is vacated. But when you look at this, in this, I, I saw a door standing open in heaven. By the way, we just finished the seven letters to the seven churches, and the very end of it was, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open the door, you, I will come into you, and you'll come into me, and we'll be together. And then the very next thing is, I saw a door standing open in heaven, Come on up. Come on and see. You get to come see. And, and I'm not making this up a little bit. Do you remember the, when in, in the Isaiah text, there's these four living creatures and they've got six wings and what are they doing with the first two wings there? Right. See no evil, right? They're not covering their ears. They're covering their eyes and they're covering their feet. Be careful where you walk. Be careful what you do. That's what the feet mean. Careful what you see. Do you remember what's going on with the six living creatures and all, or the four living creatures in Revelation? They are covered with eyes. Now that's not some grotesque vision. What it means is come and see. Look, everything is for your benefit if you understand what's going on. God will open it up to you. Come and look. Come and look. Come on in. Come and see. Come and see. And there's so much detail before you got the four living creatures and you can't really see them and they're kind of scary because they're all covered up. Now they're a lion, an ox, one who has the face of a human and one is like an eagle in flight. What does that mean? What does the lion mean? Noble, right? Don't we think of lions as noble? I, I know that in the, in the real wild kingdom, we don't actually think of lions as more noble than something else. But isn't it the overall symbol of kingdom in our world is a lion, right? The lion of Judah, the whole thing, right? Noble. Oxes. What do oxes do, right? The oxen is slow, but the earth is patient, right? They, don't the oxen shape the earth? That's how strong they are. They shape wherever they are. They are strong. And of course, now this one's up for a little bit of debate, right? The face of a man, the wisest. 
the wisest of all the animals. Yeah, I'm, I know. It's, it's a reach for some of us to look at humans as wise, but that's what they symbolize at that moment. Or the fastest is the eagle in flight. Now, I know they didn't really say, it, it just is a little harder to say peregrine falcon in that spot and then describe that they're actually faster or anything. But the eagle is a symbol of speed. So the wisest, the strongest, the most noble, and the fastest are all there circled around the throne. Can you imagine that being part of the wise, being invited in to see all of creation worshiping the Lord circled around the thing and they're full of eyes. Come and see. He is on the throne. By the way, on earth as it is in heaven is the correct way to understand that. The the pattern of heaven, Lord, please bring that into earth. But, But sometimes in our understandings, we go the other way, don't we? We kind of, if we don't have full understanding of what God is like on the throne through Jesus, then we get an understanding of, well, you know, on the throne is this really judgmental God, and he's always sitting there, and he passes judgment, and that, but that's what human kings do when they don't act like God, but they pretend to act like God or what they think God should be like. And so in that case, we have imported our incorrect view of what a king is into a heavenly view of what God should be like, right? God should be like a king and our kings do this. That is the wrong way around. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Here's another one. Are you ready? The watchmaker view of deism of God. God just built the earth and he set it in motion and he's kind of hands off. Like a, like a watchmaker. Have you ever heard that story? And then, well, if we make a watch and then we give it to somebody, we are kind of hands off. But not God. His word holds creation together. He is involved. He is sitting on the throne. By the way, he doesn't even have to leave the throne to use the restroom. He's always there in charge. Never disengaged. The the watchmaker idea is in heaven as on earth. Now it's the wrong way around. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I got I got energy for this. I you should have seen it in the first thing when in the first service when Lloyd was reading Isaiah six and he started crying in the middle of it, and and. Uh, and, and the memory of it almost had me lose it as well in reading Revelation. This is what worship means. So let's talk about the imagery just for a second. In the year that King Uzziah died, there's this throne, and it's the center of everything. And we got the 24 elders, and they're on their things, so that's the Old Testament. And the New Testament people, look, the Old Testament people didn't have Jesus, but they had the revelation that they had, and they did the best they could. Would you go there with me with that? They did the best they could. They didn't have Jesus, and some of them believed and trusted God, even though they didn't know Jesus. But man, how much easier is it to trust God when you see Jesus and he explains God? They did the best they could with what they got. Have you done the best you can with what you've got? Now there's a thought. Have you done the best you can with what you've got? you got way more than the prophet Isaiah did. That's a comeuppance, isn't it? You all, all you have to do is come to God and say, I need help, and the Holy Spirit comes into you, and the Holy Spirit's job is to say, don't look at me, look at them. Oh, and by the way, this is what they look like, and let me help you out, and let me help you understand and explain you and lead you into everything that Jesus... I, I'm sorry, I'm going really fast, because this is exciting stuff. 
The glassy sea. Let me talk about the glassy sea for a second. In the Old Testament, there is a big brass basin or bronze basin that was filled with water that symbolized the cleansing water that, 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 that we needed. We needed to be cleansed. And there was this glassy sea, S-E-A, this bronze sea like this. But in, in heaven, it's not this man-made thing that's only this size. It is this crystal pure sea that sits in front of the throne. What's that mean? Forgiveness and cleansing and purity. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science, right? So when was the last time you saw a rainbow that glowed green like emeralds? What we're talking about here is splendor of the Lord God Almighty. And he is on the throne. There's only one throne. Get that idea of that throne in your heart. I understand it's a really good image, but it falls apart in this one thing, and it's and and we as Christians have begun to sort of seek our own way all the time. There is one throne, and we owe allegiance to that throne, and it's not an empty throne. It's not empty. It's not empty. It's not empty. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not empty. He is so in charge of our lives. I, uh, I just want to do one more thing before I, I finish today. And next week is part B of this, okay? Because we got to talk about the lamb who was slaughtered. But right at the end of this, the four living creatures said amen. Do you remember what I said amen means in the book of Revelation? Do you remember what I said that meant? That's the way it is. That's the way it is. I need us to get to the spot where we understand that the throne is filled with God's presence. He's there on the throne. Amen. That's the way it is. And it's so fabulous that even the things that we do that are our crowning glory... Right? We get to wear white in heaven because God made it all white and we get these crowns for doing stuff and they mean nothing to us as soon as we get there and we see the glory and we say, you're right, I don't need it. It's nothing. May we live our lives and do the best we can with what we've got. Which is the creator of the universe on our side. Actually, let me say that differently. The creator of the universe letting us be on his side. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, open the scroll and pour, pour that into our hearts that we might be your people, that we might make connections, that, that we might be able to listen and understand that we wouldn't be as people with eyes that don't see or ears that don't hear, that we would be able to understand and that we would turn our eyes to you and come and see. Amen.